we, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Well, welcome to the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio show and podcast. My name is Tom Zawistowski. I am the host of this show, and I'm also the president of the We the People Convention. And we are, this show is brought to you by the donors to the We the People Convention. And we thank them for their generous support. And then we thank them for uh, giving us enough support that we can have a five station radio network uh, in Ohio every Saturday morning. So, welcome to all of you listening across Ohio uh, on our five station network. And welcome to everyone who's watching this podcast. And that could be anytime. We usually post the podcast on Fridays around noon, and then they're up all week, 24 uh, 7. So, you can watch the podcast on your phone, on your computer, on your iPad. You can uh, get it on our website at wethepeopleconvention.org. You can get it on YouTube at We the People Convention. You can um, listen on iTunes. Uh, you, you can just go to wethepeopleconvention.org. And on the front page, there's a little yellow block that says radio show and podcast. You click on that and it'll give you a list of all our stations. You can listen to the radio on uh, your phone using iHeartRadio as well. So however you're getting to us, uh, we really appreciate you joining us for this show. Uh, this is a news summary show. Uh, our goal is to look at what's going on and how it affects you and I, how it affects our freedom, our liberty, and our prosperity. And then we talk a lot about what we can do. Uh, one of the themes of our shows is not just talk, but action. And uh, if you're getting my emails uh, or watching the website, and I hope you're doing that, if you're not getting our emails, go to wethepeopleconvention.org and right on the front page, you just put in your email address and your zip code and you'll start getting our emails. But uh, we take a lot of action. We are not just talk. We, um, we take action to make sure we're protecting ourselves and our fellow citizens and our state in our nation from all the threats uh, that we face. And we are facing a lot of threats right now. Uh, for the past couple of weeks, we have been you know, leading off the show with what everybody's been leading off with, and that's the coronavirus. And yes, that is one of the biggest threats to us, not just from a health standpoint, but from an economic standpoint and from a national security standpoint. And, and so that's, that's going to be a big topic this week. But we're going to start off with a different topic and a topic that we haven't been really talking much about for the last you know, two months because of the coronavirus. But it is is this um, really the corruption in our government from top to bottom that is now coming uh, to be known, uh, coming to be seen by those of you who maybe don't pay as much attention as those of us in the Tea Party movement have uh, over the years. But uh, there's a lot happening and it's not good. If you are an American, you don't want to see the things that you're seeing right now. And if, uh, and if you uh, don't know what I'm talking about, we'll try to bring you up to speed, but there's so much that it's hard, it's hard to do that. So what it all involves is the attempt by the Barack Obama administration to undermine Donald Trump's election. And then when Donald Trump, with our help, 
overcame that obstruction and and was elected president of the United States, they tried to throw him out of office. They tried to undermine him. They tried to impeach him. They've done it with all lies. And that's not an opinion. So those of you who are on the left and who are listening to this and said, oh, that's your opinion. No, no. The facts that have come out this week and last week show that there was no Russia collusion. It was all a lie. It shows that uh, Michael Flynn was uh, set up by the FBI and the DOJ in a totally illegal and, and unethical effort to, uh, to undermine the president and his uh, administration as it was starting up. Uh, that's, that's evidence. There, there's not opinion here. All the opinion we've heard for three years from the liars on CNN, CNN and MSNBC and the New York Times and the Washington Post who are being leaked garbage from uh, the Obama you know, holdovers who are trying to cover up their crimes. So uh, the best thing I thought I could do was play this short clip from Jim Jordan, who's kind of explaining uh, on Fox and Friends what, what's really going on here. So let's listen to that clip. Obamagate. It's been going on for a long time. It's been going on from before I even got elected. And it's a disgrace that it happened. And if you look at what's gone on, and if you look at now all of this information that's being released, and from what I understand, that's only the beginning. Uh, some terrible things happened, and it should never be allowed to happen in our country again. What is the crime exactly that uh, you're accusing him of? You know what the crime is. The crime is very obvious to everybody. Well, let's bring in Congressman, uh, GOP Congressman Jim Jordan, member of the House Judiciary Committee, uh, to answer that question. Uh, Congressman, always great to see you. What is the crime that you think that uh, they're pursuing? They tried to trap, and they did trap Michael Flynn. They tried to set up and trap the president. Uh, Brian, think about three weeks in January of 2017. January 3rd, Chuck Schumer announces, if you mess with the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday to get back at you. January 4th, the very next day, Peter Strzok tells the two <clears throat> agents who want to drop any, any pursuit of, of Michael Flynn, he says, no, 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 don't drop it. Comey and McCabe want to continue to go after Michael Flynn. The next day, January 5th, they have the now famous meeting in the White House, where President Obama is in with Brennan, Clapper, Comey. After the meeting's over, he pulls Comey aside, says, starts talking to him about Michael Flynn. The next day, Brian, January 6th, those same people, Brennan, Clapper, Comey, go to Trump Tower to talk to President-elect Trump, brief him. Comey sticks around afterwards to tell President Trump about the dossier, the dossier that Jim Comey already knows is false. He knows his Russian disinformation. He knows it's paid for by the Clinton campaign, but he tells the president about it to try to set up the president. And then 12 days later, Jim Comey sends two guys into the White House, sneaks them in, doesn't follow protocol to set up Michael Flynn. And the common denominator through all of that, the common guy is Jim Comey. And I hope I hope John Durham and his investigation is looking hard at holding Jim Comey accountable for all that this all that this stuff that 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 played out over the last three and a half years. Right. That's what the president's referring to. You know, Congressman. To. So there was a great recap by Jim Jordan. The bottom line is that the documents that have now become public, which should have been public three years ago, but deep state actors like FBI Director Christopher Wray have been hiding them. And now that, you know, A.G. Barr has, has put, John Durham is investigating this. There's an attorney in Missouri. There's another attorney like Huber in Utah who have been looking into this. And they finally have found these documents that, for instance, Adam Schiff's, uh, you know, Russia, Russia, Russia probe where, you know, they had under oath testimony from Brennan, from Clapper, from Sally Yates, from Susan Rice, from all these Obama officials 
And they were released this week. And what they show is none of those officials under oath said there was any evidence of Russian interference or Donald Trump involvement with Russians. Zero interference. So why did we have three years of accusing the president of Russian interference? Because they were trying to get him thrown out of office. It's that simple. It's a coup attempt. And again, the crime, you know, the, the, the reporter asked Donald Trump, you know, what crime are you accusing President Obama of? And he said, well, you know the crime? Well, he didn't name it. Jim Jordan didn't name it. I will name it. The crime is treason. Jim Comey, McCabe, Strzok, Page, Susan Rice, Joe Biden, who was also shown in documents this week to have unmasked uh, American citizens illegally and unmasked General Flynn. Barack Obama held a meeting, held multiple meetings in the White House about General Flynn and how they were going to get him. He ordered this. That is treason. They should be hung by the neck until dead. That's what the penalty is for treason. This is disgusting. The bottom line is they're all guilty. Now the evidence is coming out and we're hoping there's going to be charges. We're hoping that there's going to be indictments and that these people like Jim Comey are going to go to prison. That would be too good for them. They deserve much worse. But I want to talk about a story that's important because it gets lost. And I sent this out this week, if you get my emails, and the email was, who killed Seth Rich? And the reason I bring this up is because this is one of those quote-unquote conspiracy theories that no one's supposed to talk about. But in reality, Seth Rich, who was a worker for the DNC when the WikiLeaks uh, emails got leaked about John Podesta and all that, which greatly affected the, the election because it undermined support for Hillary Clinton from all the minority groups that they needed the votes from. And Seth Rich was murdered. We have felt all along that he was murdered because he's the one that took the emails and gave them the WikiLeaks. And, you know, the, the DNC would not let the FBI look at their servers. And isn't that interesting? If, you, if, if the FBI came to your business or your house and said, I want to look at your server, you think you'd get to say no? Now, the reason the FBI did not look into the DNC servers were, uh, to see if the emails were stolen by the Russians was because they were in on the cover-up uh, and, and charged Trump with, with treason, right? That's what they were doing. But here's some important things in the article I sent you. There was a videotaped discussion with a, a woman named Ellen Ratner, who's a veteran TV news analyst, in 2016. And she said, I spent three hours with Julius, Julian Assange on Saturday at the Ecuadorian embassy in London, said Ratner. One thing he did say was the leaks were not from, they were not from the Russians. They were an internal source from the Hillary campaign. According to the, uh, this multi-party lawsuit by a guy named Butkowski, Ratner repeated to him a more detailed claim by Assange, naming that Seth Rich and his brother Aaron were responsible for releasing the DNC emails to WikiLeaks, following up on his claim that, that you know, basically this was not a Russian operation. My point is that this guy's murder, which the Washington, D.C. police, the FBI, no one has been willing to investigate was one of the key elements to the Russiagate hoax. And, and there's been more of these elements. And so I talked last week to all of you about our friend Michael Flynn, and I got a real nice note from Mike Flynn this week where I, I told him that every one of us in Ohio were, were, were giving him congratulations for having the DOJ drop the suit against him, the phony suit that was filed, you know, that he lied when, when the 
evidence was clear. He never did lie. Okay. So the DOJ is going to drop the suit. We celebrated that last week. Well, now what happens? We find that this, this leftist judge, this Judge Sullivan, who has had his case, is, is now not going to accept the fact that DOJ is going to drop the case of General Flynn. And he wants to have third-party groups give amicus briefs as to why Flynn should not be let free, even though they dropped the charges, even though it's clear he was set up, even though there was clearly illegal activity by the FBI to entrap him, this judge won't let him go. And so he wants to have amicus briefs. But again, to show you how left this guy is and how disgusting this is and how this undermines all of our faith in the courts, the Supreme Court ruled unanimously just last week against improper use of amicus briefs, okay? On Tuesday, Judge Sullivan announced he would accept amicus briefs about whether he should grant the Department of Justice motion to dismiss the case against Flynn. But last week, in the case of U.S. versus Singen Smith, the Supreme Court held that the Ninth Circuit Court uh, acted improperly by appointing three amici and directing them the brief issues that the judge wanted to consider, but that the lit- litigants had not raised. So again, they don't care about the law. This is a federal judge. He doesn't care about the law. They just care about politics. They just care about destroying Donald J. Trump because Donald J. Trump is exposing the deep state and defending you and your freedom and your liberty and your prosperity. And they want to take him down. And and so Laura Ingram had a very good segment on this because now the judge, it isn't enough that the DOJ said, we're dropping the charges. The judge says, well, I want outside lefty third parties to come and argue why he should still go to prison, a man that's totally innocent. But then he announces that he's going to bring in another judge to argue against the Department of Justice for dropping the charges. You can't make this up. But listen, they're wrong again. Listen to this short clip. Well, you brought up the Clinton-appointed judge, John Gleason, uh, who Sullivan just appointed to present the arguments against the DOJ's attempt to drop the case. A lot of people follow this here, okay? Just days ago, Gleason wrote this in the Washington Post. Flynn's guilt has already been adjudicated. So if the court finds dismissal would result in a miscarriage of justice, it can deny the motion, refuse to permit withdrawal of the guilty plea, and proceed to sentencing. Saul. He's wrong. Saul, no. Okay, hit that. But aside from everything else, he's wrong. That's very that's very misleading. In fact, under the D.C. Circuit binding circuit law, the case is, uh, has the uh, ungainly name of Fokker. Under the Fokker case, which just came out two two years ago, the D.C. Circuit, which governs Judge Sullivan, made it very clear: you cannot refuse if the government wants to dismiss a case. The district court cannot refuse to do so because he doesn't like the government's theory, because he thinks the, gov- the government should continue the case. And it doesn't matter if the defendant has pled or not. The law is clear, and former Judge Gleason, in his op-ed, made it seem like it's all up to the judge now, and it isn't. The judge has a ministerial function. Here is what's going on here. I would, I believe Judge Sullivan is trying basically to force Donald Trump to issue a pardon if he wants uh, Mike Flynn to go free. And that's not right. So there you go. Right. They're trying to force him to pardon 
General Flynn, who's a totally innocent person. And this judge, this corrupt leftist federal judge, is breaking the law two ways. I just showed you. The Supreme Court ruled what he's doing is wrong, and the D.C. court just ruled that what he's doing is wrong to try to, what, destroy Donald Trump. So many of you who are in the Tea Party movement and who followed me for many years, there's a book that I recommend. And if you go to wethepeopleconvention.org, and if you look at the yellow button that takes you to the podcast page, on that page, there's a, uh, a section that says Tom Suggested Reading. And in that section, there's a book called The Intimidation Game by Kimberly Strassel. This book is one of the most amazing books I've ever read. And George Will, on the cover of the book, says, This book is a fire bell and a darkening night. I'm in this book because the premise of this book was basically about the Barack Obama targeting of the, uh, using the IRS to target me and you and the Tea Party to try to win re-election, which he did do by using the federal government against us. But that is nothing compared to what's in this book. Barack Obama is the most corrupt person to ever be president of the United States. His entire administration weaponized the federal government against you and I and capitalism and the American Constitution. I'm not, that's not my opinion. You read this book. It will make you want to vomit when you read the things that Barack Obama did, how he used every agency of the federal government to attack conservatives, literally attack them. And that's why this fight is going on. And that's why the coronavirus is, is turned into this political effort to destroy our economy, to drive Donald Trump out of office and to install socialism. That starts with that book. I hope you'll pick it up and read it. It's an amazing book. We're going to take a short break and hear from some of our sponsors. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio show and podcast. And I'm Tom Zawistowski. Liberty Camp for Kids is where students in grades 1 through 6 experience the founding of our nation. This year's camp will be held from July 20th through the 24th from 9 till noon. The cost is $30 per camper. If you're interested in our camp, being a volunteer, or even starting one of your own, go to www.LibertyCampForKids.com. Buckeye Firearms Association is Ohio's number one gun rights organization, protecting the rights of Ohio's 4 million gun owners. And you can get our weekly gun rights newsletter free. Receive breaking news and urgent alerts on gun laws. Stay up to date on self-defense and shooting sports. Discover pro-gun activities and events near you. Get your free gun rights newsletter now at bfanews.org. That's bfanews.org. bfanews.org. All right, and we're back, and we appreciate our sponsors. And I want to mention one of our sponsors, the Liberty Camp for Kids, uh, because uh, we've been wondering all along with the lockdowns and shutdowns of businesses in Ohio whether we were going to be able to have our Liberty Camp in July. And today, Governor DeWine from Ohio finally made a decision that uh, you know summer camps and uh, you know gyms and swimming pools and things like that are going to open up at the end of May. 
And so those of you listening on the radio, if you want to send your children or your grandkids to Liberty Camp for Kids, you should uh, do that immediately. Go to libertycampforkids.com and uh, you'll see all the information you need. There's videos, there's photos. Uh, It's a great camp where kids experience. They don't just learn about the founding of America. They literally experience the founding of America. It is a highly uh, respected and and highly acclaimed camp. It's $30, I believe, is the the, uh, camp fee and it's a limited number of people can go so if you're listening to the radio and you want to go to liberty camp for kids go to libertycampforkids.com and sign up today it's a great event and we're glad we're finally going to be able to have camp uh, this summer so we got to get on now with the COVID-19 stuff because it's serious, but I'm going to play a little cartoon. If you're watching the, the podcast, you'll see that I have a South Park cartoon on the screen. And for those on the radio, it says, it's all over, Stan, as he looks down, uh, as his father looks up at Stanley. We have COVID-19. Soon, only 99.85% of us will remain. Now, I'm not making fun of COVID-19. 80-some thousand people have died in the United States, the latest statistics, 1,534 deaths in Ohio, 85,601 in the United States, close to 300,000 in the world. That's serious stuff. We, you know, we are, we're sorry for all those people who have passed, but we also need to keep perspective. We need to understand what is really going on. And last week, I shared some statistics with you, and I've got some more, uh, but I know on the radio it's hard, so I'll just try to, you know, be careful to, to explain them so you can, you know, hear them and understand them. But there's a chart that came out that I thought was very important. It talked about age groups. And on this chart, it says that if you're under age 29, that you have basically zero chance of dying from COVID-19. If you're under age 39, you have zero chance. If you're under age 49, you have one-tenth of 1% chance. So 99.99 chance you will survive. If you get into ages 59, it's up to one, almost one-tenth of a percent. So 99.9 will not die. And then if you get above 60, it gets to be about half a percent, okay? So that's important. We take that seriously, but it also shows that this idea of locking down schools, closing schools, stopping business, stopping all of our lives is just completely ill-informed. It's completely wrong. And I showed some stats to you last week that were, were really important. I talked about that. Even though... We have people who, you know, we say this is a disease that is dangerous to the elderly, and it is. But even if you're older, and I mean, I just saw a video this week of someone that was 99 and they had COVID-19 and they survived. The facts are just really this simple. If you are over age 70, literally 99.93% of you will not die. If you're over age 80, 99.87% of you will not die. My point being that there's 1.2 million people over age 70 in Ohio. 919 have died. That's just 0.07% of the total population. And so I had a friend give me some statistics because now our focus is on nursing homes, right? And I, and I get that. You know, it's, it, it's really important. And, and what they did in Florida and what they didn't do in New York and Pennsylvania and New Jersey is in Florida, they really focused on the nursing homes to try to limit the deaths. That's to their credit, and it does work. But here's the perspective. There have been 28,000 reported 
COVID-19 deaths from nursing homes. 28,000 out of 85,000. That's a big number. But what I didn't know is there are 1.5 million people in the United States in nursing homes. 1.5 million, 28,000 have died. That means that even if you're old and you're in a nursing home, you have a 98% chance of surviving. That's perspective, folks. And you got to keep perspective. And so we are just destroying ourselves. We're destroying our economy. We're destroying our, our nation because of a panic that should not be a panic. And it's just driving me crazy, this mindless activity. I know that lots of you have been calling and writing to me about this, and I swear they named this bill on purpose this way to drive you nuts. But many of you have heard about House Resolution 6666. And as you know, if you're a Christian or religious, 666 is the mark of the devil, right? And this is a bill in, in that they proposed in the U.S. House where basically it's, it's to track citizens invade your privacy to protect you from coronavirus. Now, folks, I got news for you. This is going nowhere, but this is the kind of thing that the left wants to do. This is exactly what they want to do. They want to use the the power they've taken from you through the coronavirus to infringe on your liberties, your ability to you know, gather, to travel, to leave your home. Think about this. And, and we're going to have in, in our in a later part of the show, we're going to talk about how the Wisconsin Supreme Court threw out the whole idea of lockdowns. Because, folks, lockdowns is house arrest when you didn't commit a crime. It's totally illegal for them to say you can't leave your house. I don't care what emergency you have. But but just the courts have been behind, and we haven't been able to fight this nonsense like this House Resolution 666. And it's just driving us crazy because things like, you know, okay, now you can come out, but, oh, you've got to do all these things, right? You've got to do all these things. And one of them is wear face masks. Well, I put out an article this week that says, no, you, this is just wrong. Face masks don't work. And the evidence is overwhelming. It's, here's a quote. By wearing a mask, the exhaled virus will not be able to escape and will concentrate in the nasal passage, enter the olfactory nerves, and travel into the brain, said Russell Black, MD. As for scientific support for the use of face masks, a recent careful examination of literature in which 17 of the best studies were analyzed concluded that none of the studies established a conclusive relationship between mask respirator use and protection against influenza infection. We're telling people to wear masks and they actually give you headaches and will give you other viruses. That's how ignorant we are. Uh, I've got an article here about um, social distancing is snake oil, not science. And in this article from American Thinker, it says, uh, very likely you instinctively know that the guidelines suggesting that it's somehow helpful to keep six feet apart between healthy people, even outdoors, is not based on science. But just an arbitrary suggestion we've been conditioned to accept without evidence. And your gut feeling would be right. There's a reason that social distancing wasn't a buzzword common to the American lexicon prior to 2020. There is very little science behind social distancing at all. It turns out, says Julie Kelly at American Greatness, as I wrote last month, social distancing is untested pseudoscience, particularly as it relates to halting the transmission of the SARS-CoV virus. 
on its website, the CDC provides no links to any peer-reviewed social distancing study that bolsters its official guidance. Remember Dr. Fauci saying, oh, you can't have the moxichloroquine uh, uh, stuff uh, and the zinc because there's no peer-reviewed studies? And yet he's telling you to social distance. There's no peer-reviewed studies. This is the insanity of this. They don't have information for any of this. And now Fauci is out there talking like you won't be able to have your kids go back to school in the fall. He doesn't know what the hell is going to happen next week. And finally, Trump broke with him and called him out. Here's a clip where Trump does that. When you say Dr. Fauci is playing both sides, are you suggesting that the advice well, he's given to you is, is I was different. surprised by his answer, actually, uh, because, uh, you know, uh, it's just, to me, it's not an acceptable answer especially when it comes to schools. The only thing that would be acceptable, as I said, is professors, teachers, etc., over a certain age. I think they ought to take it easy for another few weeks, five weeks, four weeks, who knows, whatever it may be. But I think they have to be careful because this is a disease that attacks age and it attacks health. And if you have a heart problem, if you have diabetes, if you're a certain age, uh, it's certainly uh, much more dangerous but with the young children, I mean, uh, and students, it's really, it's uh, just take a look at the statistics. It's pretty amazing. So it's about time. It's about time that somebody pushes back on Fauci because he's a fraud. He's wrong about the mass. He's wrong about social distancing. He's wrong about herd immunity. And we've been following this clown. And we're still following this clown. And he's a leftist. And he's helping the left, and he's helping destroy our, our, our country. I've got a story here from Conservative HQ. There's no proof killing the economy saves lives. The evidence is growing that lockdowns, lockdowns did not have the kind of life-saving effects that their advocates, such as Dr. Anthony Fauci and Democratic Governor of Virginia, Ralph Lordham, claimed they would have. It will be no surprise to learn that the states that you know, never issued lockdowns or mandatory business closures overall have been Republican states, but the Democrats have, have closed everything down. According to the latest statistics by Statistica of death rates from coronavirus in the United States, there appears that the answer about lockdowns is that no, it didn't save any lives. In summary, the evidence that, that indefinite lockdowns have produced lower death rates simply isn't there. And there's a lot of evidence from states like New York and New Jersey and Connecticut and Michigan that draconian lockdowns had no positive effect. When what's more, in those states like New York, the mandate that the nursing homes accept COVID patients was a tragic disaster, as we just talked about, that that was a mistake that they made. So we're doing all this stuff for no reason. And here in Ohio, I called out President of the Senate, Larry Oboff. I called him a coward because in the middle of the night, he decided arbitrarily, unilaterally, to not even take up Senate Bill 1, which was intended to stop Governor DeWine with these lockdowns and these shutdowns that we're currently under. While Ohio is opening up gradually, we're still weeks away from the whole state being open. And there's no reason for that. We are still under a lockdown order in Ohio until the end of May. That's still another two weeks away. A totally illegal lockdown order in which last week I showed you the evidence from Governor Cuomo in New York where they found that the people who were getting sick from coronavirus were staying inside. We're not working. We're not going out. That's who's getting hospitalized. And our governor and many other governors are still doing it, even though the science says you're damaging my health. 
and there's going to be lots of lawsuits, and we're going to talk about that going forward. But we were really upset with the Senate leadership because they would not accept Senate Bill 1, which came out of our house, which basically said, we want to say, we just, we just want the legislature to be able to represent us. And Governor DeWine said he was going to veto that. It's, it's just beyond belief. It just is. So we have been out protesting. I talked to you last week about our Rally Round Ohio event, and it was such a big success that we're going to do it again this week. So on Saturday, May 16th, tomorrow, when you're listening to this radio show, if you go to freeohionow.com, you go to freeohionow.com, look on that website, you will see where the rally is in your county, and I want you to go there at 1 o'clock, because you're listening to this radio show at 7 in the morning, 7.30, 9 o'clock, you have plenty of time to go to your rally. Go to freeohionow.com, look up your county, and make a sign that says, open Ohio now, I want my liberty back, you know, whatever you want to say. And it's just a sign wave. It's not hard. Just go wave your sign. Last week, we had over 3,000 protesters at 34 counties, and we had over 400,000 people were exposed to our message just in the cars driving by from the busy intersections. And then we had great news coverage, which gave us like another 2 million exposures. This week, we're hoping to be in all 88 counties. And you and you don't need permission. You don't need permission from Tom Zawistowski. Just if, there, if your county isn't represented, make a sign, get a couple friends, and go stand at the busiest intersection you can. Because what I found last week when I was doing it was that there's really three groups. There were about double the number of people for us, supporting us to open Ohio and open our businesses and get back to work. So say 40% were for us. 20% were against us. They were the ones giving us a single finger salute. And then there was the final 40% who looked like they were scared out of their minds and did not know what to do. And they saw us, and we think if we were already at 40% support, were we able to influence 10% or 15% of those other people that maybe they shouldn't be scared? Because they don't know the statistics I just gave you on this show. I, you know, Make a sign that says, 99.7% of you will not die from coronavirus. Because you know what? Half the population of your state don't know that. You got to let them know that. You got to set them free. You got to make them understand they can't be afraid to live their lives. And we can't give up our liberty for a hoax, for a flu. We got to get back to work because if our economy dies, folks, it's over. Socialism. If Donald Trump doesn't win this fall, we're done as a nation. There is no constitution. There is no bill of rights. There is no individual liberty. You've been living, if you're in a state that's locked down, you've been living in socialism. How do you like it? How do you like it when someone has to tell you whether you can go to this store or not, what you can buy, what you can't, whether you can go outside or not? You like that? That's going to be your life if we don't get back to work right now and turn this economy around and save ourselves. That's what you got to do. All right, so this is the end of the radio show, but not the end of the podcast. Those of you who know, listen to the radio show each week, you know that we go on for like another 30 minutes after the radio show at wethepeopleconvention.org. You can watch the rest of the podcast. You can even see a list uh, if you go to the podcast page that tells you what topics we're talking about. You can skip ahead. But I just want to thank you for joining us on the radio this morning. I want to thank you for you know, fighting for your freedom and liberty, because if you won't fight for it, who will? Never give up on America. Never give up. 
Defend what our founding fathers gave us. What a million people, men and women, have died over our history to defend. Now's your time to stand up and defend that. And I sure appreciate you coming and listening to our show this week. I hope you'll stick with me for the podcast. You've been listening to the We The People Convention News and Opinion radio show and podcast. And my name's Tom Zawistowski. The We The People Convention News and Opinion radio program is paid for by donors like you. You can donate to the We The People Convention and support our cause by going to wethepeopleconvention.org or by sending your check in any amount to We The People Convention, P.O. Box 6211, Akron, Ohio, 44312. The Buckeye Institute was founded in 1989 and we're the longest serving free market think tank in the state of Ohio. My goal is removing barriers to prosperity that have been put in place by government. We want for Ohio to be the freest and most prosperous state in the country. The Buckeye Institute is a source of common sense ideas that will have an impact on the nation as well as the state of Ohio. All right. Thank you for sticking with us for the podcast. We're glad to have you with us. There's still some very big news to talk about, and I'm going to get right into that. I think one of the biggest news stories, and I wish I could have gotten into the radio broadcast, but I didn't mention it, and that is the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled that lockdowns are illegal. Conservative justices on the Wisconsin Supreme Court struck down Governor Tony, a Democratic governor, Tony Evers, months-long stay-at-home order ruling uh, released on Wednesday. In a 4-3 decision, it marked the first time a state's highest court has overturned a stay-at-home order amid the coronavirus pandemic and sided with Republican leaders who argued the governor's administration had overstepped its legal authority. So this is a big deal because, as I said to you, you know, I just don't think you can, you cannot be under house arrest if you didn't commit a crime. And, and they also, in the, in the order, and if you go to the WeThePeopleConvention.org website, you can read the actual legal case. I posted it there for you because it says there's also no due process in this. You, you can't say I'm closing your business and then I'm not closing the other guy's business and you have no right of appeal. And that's what they're doing all over the place. And that's why they threw this out. So this is going to be interesting to see as this goes, I, I was, they're not going to appeal it in Wisconsin. Okay. But I think they're going to get other cases like this. And I think and I hope that down the road, the Supreme Court will rule. You just can't do this. It's all or nothing. If you're going to close down, you can't treat people differently. And I, and I hope that's what's going to be the ruling because this is just egregious. This is just an unbelievable infringement on our rights. Now, the courts also stepped in in Michigan. There was a, a barber who uh, just got tired of it all and said, you know, I got to open my shop. The Michigan Circuit Court judge in Sasani County rejected the complaint filed by the Michigan Attorney General's office to shut down barber Carl Manneke, who uh, who has refused the order from Governor Gretchen Whitmer calling his business non-essential. Basically, Manneke had received a citation for violating Whitmer's edicts. He could receive 90 days in jail or a $50 fine if he's convicted of these supposed crimes. I'd gone six weeks without a paycheck with no money coming in, he said. I've been in this 59 years. I'm 77 years old. I've always worked. I've never looked for handouts. I know what they are. I had someone call me and say, well, why don't you get on food stamps? I don't want to get on food stamps. I want to work, said the, the barber, Mankey. Now, I heard today uh, that they have uh, now uh, 
taken away his health license to try to crush him. But I think he's going to win in court because of what happened in Wisconsin. I think these are still due process laws, right? You got to have a right to appeal. They did not give him that right to appeal. This is another important thing because our good buddy, Dr. Fauci, you know, who's talking about these viruses and and we, we will not be safe until there's a vaccine. Folks, do you know that there is, to this day, at this minute, there is no vaccines for any coronavirus. Any. And there's not going to be one. I'm telling you, this is all a leftist effort to keep us shut down. They know there's no virus, there's no vaccines for coronavirus. So why is Fauci spewing this nonsense? Well, then, you know, like many of you would suspect, because we're all, you know, do you trust Dr. Fauci? Do you trust the CDC, which screwed up the testing, did not warn us that the coronavirus was as dangerous as it was, couldn't get the ventilators, didn't prepare us? You're going to trust those people, right, with a vaccine? You're going to let them vaccine, uh, give you a vaccine? Well, no, a new poll says millions of Americans uh, will refuse the COVID-19 vaccine. Okay, the survey conducted on May 1st to the 3rd on a sample of 2,200 U.S. adults shows that 60 percent of Americans, 64 percent of Americans said they would get the vaccine, while 22 percent said they did not have an opinion on a subject were undecided. And 14 percent of them said, I ain't taking your stinking vaccine. Okay, and with good reason, because, folks, this is the point that they don't understand. That the governors, and I, and, I, and I sent this into one of our state senators who was upset because I called the Senate president a coward, okay? And I said, here's what you guys don't understand. We're the ones trying to find a path, trying to follow a system of government to get representation. And every time we do, you guys prove there is no path. And then you get upset when we call you a coward or a tyrant. Well, if the definition fits, wear it. You are cowards. You are tyrants. And we're not going to stand for this. And stand for what? Listen to this crap. Listen to this nonsense from Washington State. Washington State directs restaurants to log all eat-in customers in order to reopen. Restaurants in Washington State will be required to keep a log of each dine-in customer to facilitate contract tracing during phase two of the state's coronavirus reopening plans. As part of the requirements, a log must be maintained for 30 days by a business, by a private business, and must include each customer's telephone number and email address and what time they came in to eat, according to officials. Are you kidding me? Are you going to go to a restaurant that's going to make you log in and log out and then share? they can share that with the government so the government knows what you ate? What right do they have to do that? The answer is zero. They have no right to do that. This is what I'm talking about. This is the loony left. And, and this is what they're doing. In order to remain open... The restaurants must also meet a dozen other requirements, including operating at a 50% capacity or below and seating seating no more than five guests at each table. Other phase two requirements include providing hand sanitizers to each employee and customer, placing tables at least six feet apart from each other, and providing single-use menus. Single-use menus. you got to throw the menu away after you touch it. 
These people are idiots. Restaurants must also, get this, test each employee for COVID-19 at the start of each shift and appoint a specific employee to be the COVID-19 supervisor to monitor the health and safety of workers. Any business that opens under that are a bunch of idiots because you're not a freaking hospital. And where's the liability coverage for that? You're asking a restaurant, right? You want the cook, you want the dishwasher to give you a COVID-19 test. That's what you want. That's the left wants. That's how nuts these people are. This is what you're fighting. And guess, I got another clue for you. Contact tracing doesn't work. That's only for something that's going to break out new. This virus is all over the country. Millions of people have it. There is no need for contact tracing unless you're big brother. That's the only reason for it. If I lived in Washington State, I would be moving. I would be moving. I pity the fools, to, uh, to quote a famous actor. I pity the fools in Washington State who would do such stupid things. And if they don't vote all these communists out of office, then they deserve what they've got. They deserve what they got. So we're going to take another break here before we get to our final segment. You're listening to the We the People Convention News and Opinion radio show and podcast, and I'm Tom Zawistowski. This is Jordan Sekulow with the American Center for Law and Justice. At the ACLJ, we are committed to fighting the deep state and protecting freedom, the right to life, religious liberty, and fighting for the Constitution. The ACLJ has experienced tremendous success in litigating cases at all levels of the judiciary, from the federal district court level to the Supreme Court of the United States. We have offices in Washington, D.C., Jerusalem, and all around the world. You can find out more about the ACLJ and join us by visiting aclj.org. Did you know that the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio is the largest statewide life group in the state? Are you tired of the compromised approach to pro-life legislation that has been the status quo for far too long? Since 2017, the efforts of the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio has changed that approach, closing loopholes and making pro-life laws enforceable. Visit rtlaohio.org or call 440-668-4049 for details. The Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio. All right, and we're back, and this is our final segment, so I appreciate you sticking around on the podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the information we've shared so far. I think you've heard some things you haven't heard elsewhere, and uh, we've got a couple more good stories here to cover. And, and, boy, there's been a lot of court news in this show, hasn't there? I mean, just, you know, the Wisconsin courts, the Michigan courts, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the uh, judge that's going after Michael Flynn and the you know, Supreme Court rulings and all that. Well, we've got one more thing to talk about, actually a couple things. And that is, as you know, the Supreme Court is hearing their cases. And for the first time ever, they're not in person because of the COVID virus. So they're doing this via teleconference and Zoom and things like that. So people are actually allowed to listen, and people have been listening to this. But one of the things they're talking about right now is this issue of the Electoral College. And the Supreme Court on Wednesday heard two cases asking whether members of the Electoral College are bound by laws requiring them to support the winner of the popular vote in their state. Remember, uh, when uh, Trump won, there were you know efforts in, De- in Colorado and other states. I think they ended up being about 18 states where they passed laws that said that their electoral college voters had to vote for whoever won the national popular vote. 
So this is the result of that. When that happened, I told you, that's illegal. You can't do that. Well, now it's at the Supreme Court, and we're going to see what they do. Wednesday's case involves six electors who were fined or disqualified because they voted for candidates of their own choosing in 2016 instead of abiding by the results of the votes in their states. The justices seemed ready to say that the law laws punishing so-called faithless electors are constitutionally permissible. 32 states in the District of Columbia have such laws. So that looks like they're going to say you have to vote as an elector as according to the winner of the popular vote in your state, okay? That's what you have to do, and that's what we need. They're also looking at the Supreme Court into uh, whether Congress can has the right to uh, access Donald Trump's uh, tax returns as part of their oversight. And I'm hoping that our 5-4 majority for conservatives will say, you can't do that, because it has nothing to do with oversight. That's a political witch hunt. They've been going after Trump's tax records forever. They have no right to that, okay? There's also a case that they're talking about um, that has to do with the, uh, the testimony for the grand jury, that grand jury testimony, the Republicans or the Democrats want the, uh, the uh, Department of Justice to turn over the grand jury testimony that was used in, in some of the, uh, you know, the uh, investigations under the Mueller uh, probe, I believe it is. And folks, that's unprecedented. Grand juries are secret. OK, they're supposed to be secret. And if, and if you're going to allow that to become public, grand juries are going to change dramatically. And so that's going to be a very interesting case as well. So we'll see what happens. But uh, lots of Supreme Court news and, and keep an eye on that. They'll be making some decisions at the end of June, as they always do. So about 30 days away, they're going to do some other things. Um, the other thing I want to talk about that's really important was uh, good old Nancy Pelosi, right? That they're, uh, they came up with the, the stimulus number four, that uh, they want $3 trillion in relief, which is basically full of Democratic goodies. Out of $3 trillion, $900 billion, almost $1 trillion, they want to go to state and local governments as a bailout. Has nothing to do with COVID-19. It's just we mismanage our pension fund, right? For 50 years, we promised retirees, policemen and firemen, you know, we've promised them pensions that we can't pay. And now because of COVID-19, we want the American people to give these mismanaged democratic, you know, counties, uh, states, uh, and, 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 you know, municipal governments, $900 billion to bail them out. Not no, hell no. You need to call your congressman. And again, we're not just talk, we're action. I'm asking you to call your congressman and your senator and say, we don't want stimulus for, we want our jobs back. Let's get the economy going so we don't need another stimulus. Because this is all pork. This has nothing to do with anything. And you know what it does have to do with, though? Yeah, take a look at this little baby, right? Because also in here is the Democrats also want to force states to allow vote by mail. But it would prohibit states from requiring a photo ID, notarization, or witness signatures to send or receive mail-in ballots. This is the perfect storm for voter fraud. That's part of Nancy Pelosi's bill. Again, the coronavirus is not about a virus, and it's not about the deaths. It is about destroying Donald Trump. 
and imposing socialism. It's about destroying capitalism. It's about destroying your freedoms and liberty. It's about government takeover. And this is proof of it. Because they're going to try to rig the election. Fauci is trying to say, you can't go back to school. Guess what? If you can't go back to school, if you're a parent, how do you go back to work? Your kids, you got to take care of your kids. And if your parents are more susceptible to disease, they can't take care of them. And then in Ohio, the governor is making a big deal about daycare centers where there's no evidence, no evidence that kids get sick from this disease. He's making problems with daycare centers can only have so many kids in them. How are they going to operate, you moron? How are they going to operate? This is all about hamstringing our country. Think about this. You're talking about people like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and the people on CNN and MSNBC and ABC and NBC and The View and New York Times and Washington Post who, would, who will let you lose your job, lose your business, lose your freedom so they can have power over you. You think that's worth you fighting back against? You think that's worth you defending your freedom, your liberty, and your prosperity? That's what's coming. Rush Limbaugh said today that this is going to be a war for the next three months, a war for our country. And anyone who tells you, he says, it's the new normal, or walk away. Because they're a commie. They're a commie. There is no new normal. There's America. There's freedom and liberty and prosperity. But not for them, because they're trying to destroy our country. And I, I, I'm happy to tell you that I've had documents from Frank LaRose, the attorney, the Secretary of State, and we are not going to have only mail ballots in Ohio. They're already working on this, and I love some of the stuff they're doing. And, and we've had some input with Frank LaRose about what we're going to do this fall. And yes, there will be, you can have absentee ballots. We've already had that. There's going to be 30 days of voting. They're going to make a couple changes, which I think are smart. One of the changes they're going to make is that they're not going to let you do uh, mail-in votes on the Saturday before the election. They're moving that back to Thursday because there isn't enough time. Um, They are basically going to let you just ask for a ballot online, but we're asking them to have to require a photo ID to do that. So in other words, what happened this time is you had to go and say, send me a ballot application. They would send it to you. You would fill it out and mail it back to the Board of Elections, and then they would send you the absentee ballot. Well, they're going to change that so that you could just go to the Secretary of State's website or the Board of Elections website, and you can request a ballot. But we're asking them to require a photo ID, which Nancy Pelosi doesn't want, right? So if I could trade photo ID for mail-in ballots, I'd do that every time. Um, They also want to get rid of... The August special election, you know that election that the school board has that they want to pass a levy and so they put it on in the first week of August so everybody's on vacation and that just the teachers can vote and give themselves your money as a raise? They're trying to get rid of that. They're basically making it that if you want to have that, you have to convert them to all mail-in ballots and the person who wants to put it on, the entity that wants to put it on, has to pay for all of that. I love it. Get rid of those special elections. We never should have had them in the first place. They're terrible. So Ohio ain't going the way Nancy Pelosi wants. And that's to our benefit. And we're going to fight for that. So that's good news. Got some more good news. Uh, many of you guys have been talking for a long time about our, uh, you know, the idea, are we going to bring any lawsuits? 
right? Can we bring any lawsuits to fight what the governor is doing to us? And we've been trying. We've been really trying to do that. So what happened is the 1851 Institute just filed this week a suit to that by um, gyms, Ohio gyms, sue the health department for the right to exist. So this is kind of like a, a class action type lawsuit where you know, you, you're basically representing a whole bunch of gyms trying to get a settlement. Now, interestingly enough, and maybe not a coincidence, Governor DeWine said that gyms could open at the end of the month. So the question will be, well, how will the court look at it when you bring a suit about something that's already been settled? But there are going to be lawsuits. I was talking to a House member, Nino Vital, today about, you know, uh, can we expect businesses to sue for the money that they lost when the government shut them down? And he says he thinks they have a legal right to do that. And I'm encouraging you, if you are a small business owner and you were shut down and you lost money, I'm encouraging you to file suit against the state of Ohio because that is illegal. They have no right to take your property. And you should go to court and get that money back and teach them a lesson that they better never do this again. Never, ever do this again. Okay? That's the, that's the message we want to give to them. The other thing I want to update you about is, you know, I sent in the ballot petitions to uh, AG Bill Barr. And, and so, you know, you, those of you who signed the, the 10,000 signatures for the ballot, uh, you know, uh, that ballot petition that we sent in to AG Barr, I do have evidence that it, he did receive it, okay, last week. And, um, you know, we expect to hear back from them. I will tell you, though, that it looks like they're focusing mostly on violations of religious liberty. Where I've seen the DOJ get involved so far, it's been in places like Virginia where they said you can't open your church. Uh, in places like Ohio, DeWine's been very careful never to say that. Now, he's been, you know, threatening them by saying, oh, well, you know, you're going to have liability for this and your insurance company won't cover that liability. If people get sick, if you open your church, you're going to get in trouble. But he's never said as governor, I'm ordering you to close. And so he's kind of, you know, playing it both ways. But it looks like that's what the DOJ is doing. And as things start to open up, I don't know if we'll get the AG to investigate Ohio and come in and rule, for instance, to get a, a federal um, you know, indictment or a, 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 an order to get rid of the lockdowns. That's what I would like to see. We're also investigating some other legal ways to get there. We're not giving up on that. We're going to fight for our rights. But I do want you to know there are things happening and they're happening all over the country, just like you saw the barber, just like you saw the lady in Texas. We're Americans. We're not going to just let them take our liberties. We're going to stand up and fight back. We're not going to let you invade our house and, and, and you know, track us for coronavirus. We're going to make sure the law is enforced one way or the other. So I hope you've enjoyed this week's show. I, I you know, really appreciate you joining us. I hope you'll tell more people about it. Uh, we've had, you know, our, our viewership on the podcast has tripled in the last eight weeks. Uh, that's because of people like you. That's because you've been out there, you know, telling people about the show, recommending it. Uh, we post it every Friday. It's available after that, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and if you want to send comments or send me information, much of the information in the show was sent to you, sent to me from you. Go to info, just send it to info at wethepeopleconvention.org. Info at wethepeopleconvention.org. I get your emails. I read your emails. I appreciate your emails. 
I really appreciate you. I appreciate you coming to this website and watching the show. I appreciate those of you who listen on the radio. You have a good week. We'll be back again next week. You've been listening to the We the People Convention, News and Opinion radio show and podcast, and I'm Tom Zawistowski.